Welcome to the Chef of X podcast. All right, what's been going on with you these days? You've been gone for a while. Yes, a lot. I had like a like a moment of like um, deep self reflection because okay. um, I was doing certain things. That what, what things? What were you doing? All right, so what I was doing was I was speaking from a place of like. I wouldn't say um, complete ignorance. I had an idea of what I was talking about. Yeah. That's the very problem. I had an idea. And so I didn't have actual like truth that I was speaking from. But I was speaking on certain things as if they were like common experiences that I see every day. Like, oh, yeah, I've seen this before, you know. But I don't. It it doesn't even matter how much research I might have done. Still, I haven't I hadn't experienced it like for myself. And so I couldn't, I can't speak on things I haven't experienced for myself. All I, I can have an opinion on them, sure, but I can't say like, this is that, that is this. I can't do that. And, uh, that's what I was doing. And it was my friend, a good friend of mine. He like called me out on it and no one calls me out on it, but also because like no one really knows me as well as he knows me. So they wouldn't even know what I would be speaking on as if, you know, like if I was speaking on like how it is that that cup was made and. Yeah. You wouldn't know because you don't know like me that well. So I could be talking about it. I, I could have watched how it's made. Yeah. Came here and was talking on like, yeah, my dad has a cup factory. You wouldn't yeah. know because you don't know me like that. And like, that's not a bad thing. It's just we haven't known each other that long. Mm. And uh, is but, it about your uh, the business in Watts? No, that's real. That's real. Because <laughs> you said, oh, yeah, my dad does a business or something. No. He knows about cups. Uh-uh. And now I'm thinking, well, I guess you did make a claim about one of your family members running a business. No, that's real. <laughs> but see, that's the crazy part. Because now when I when you become exposed as a person who speaks about things as if you know, yeah, everything that you've said from that point forward or from the past is questioned, is now questionable. And now you're discreditable. Like... Yeah, but shouldn't you always be discreditable? Yes. So really, that's the, that's, that should be the starting position. The position that you've been demoted to is a mm. position where people cannot automatically trust what you say. Mm. But should they automatically trust what you say in the no. first place? Mm. So it's not really a demotion. That's it's just not. the reality of being a speaker. Mm. A lot of people aren't speaking. They, they have no idea what this experience is like. Mm-hmm. They have no idea what it's like to be in a flow state have some weird jumble of concepts in your mind, filter that through a language Mm -hmm. and let it be released in a way that's fulfilling, that's therapeutic. Instead, what some people do is um, they look for specific phrases and things and then they'll jump on that and say anything like the N-word is a great example. We could talk about this. Uh But uh, since I was a kid, I've always had an opinion that gets black people very upset, Mm. which is that Maybe it's not as bad as it seems. Like the idea that uh, if you say the N-word and you're not black, you're an evil person. Mm. Maybe. Mm. (laughs) But there's a lot of other explanations for why someone would do something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, So to me, I'm not nearly as offended as most people on a lot of things. But Mm. that's one example of something where there's a difference between analyzing someone's actual speech and looking for, you know, a catchphrase or something like that and saying anyone who does this – that's automatically bad. Because mm. if you think about it, it's harder to really understand anyone in any circumstance. How does anyone know what anyone else means? Yet some people claim, I know exactly what this person means. How do you know? 
Mm. When there's so many different things that they could have meant, how do you know? And usually what happens is they don't know. They just, there's a cultural thing that says it's okay to not know, but act like you know. Mm. And, you know, that's kind of the definition of what it means to be uh, ignorant. Mm. You think you know, but you really don't really, you don't really know. Mm. You just say, you're just acting like you know. And sometimes it's on in your favor. And a lot of times, like in my case, it's not in my favor. Mm. But if, 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 if I find out that I thought I knew about something and it turned out that I didn't know, to me, that's a good experience. Mm. Because that means now I have a, a better idea of what's going on, a better model. But I, the only reason why I uh, say this is because I know if I were in your position mm -hmm. and I said something on a podcast and then, you know, I got attacked, mm -hmm. the main thing I would be worried about is not getting people upset. What I'm here to tell you is there's no way out of that. <laughs> you are always going to upset people. Why? Yeah. Because you have things to say, period. Yeah. Even if everything that you say is true, someone's always going to be upset. That's true. Doesn't mean that you can't make mistakes. It just means not everything that upsets someone is an actual mistake. Sometimes mm. doing the right thing is going to upset people. Sometimes you actually do it, you're doing something wrong and it doesn't upset people. Mm. But your metric for whether or not, you know, you're doing something that's out of line, it might you might want to consider more than just the fact that someone was offended. Consider why mm -hmm. they were offended. And that's that's the thing, because you're very right. Yeah. Uh, I do say some things that are rooted in, in truth, my own truth, or um, truth that I've discovered in the world. And uh, it does upset people. And um, I lost friends because of that. But, I mean, that's just a part of life. But, but were they really friends if they're no. going to be upset at you for saying for exactly. something and they're not going to try to understand where you're coming from, the context, the, all the different possibilities of what you could have meant and filter that down to what the true meaning was in that moment? It's like if you're not if you're just right off the bat, no, fuck you, <laughs> then fuck you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It really shouldn't be. I, I think sometimes uh, sometimes there's this uh, this deep feeling that we all have that the people who are immediately around us have the greatest character judgments in the world. They're the best. They're the top people you should want to be fucking with. Maybe, but more likely you're just fucking with average people all the time mm -hmm. and swapping one out for another is not going to make that dif that big of a difference in your quality of life. Most of the time, it's not like every one of your friends is Nelson Mandela. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? <laughs> they're probably just regular people. <laughs> And we give it's not them, that big of a loss anyway. We put them on pedestals. Yeah, you just because they're around you because yeah. you feel like you need them. You don't need them. You need people who are going to build you up. Yeah. You need, you know, the concepts, the ideas, the habits that are going to get you in the place that you want to go. And it may or may not be the people who got you to this level. So you can't be too upset by somebody, you know, dropping someone off once they reveal that they don't really have the character traits that you need to make it to the next level. Which is so true. And it's something that I I, I struggle to think about all the time because um, there are certain things that I try. I Actually, I want to talk about this story because I, I went to Vegas over spring break. Okay. There's a real story. Yes. I'm just, I'm real just story. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I went to Vegas over spring break. And while I was there, I was with my girlfriend and her friends. Yeah. And um, she's she's only a year younger than me. Not even that, like a couple months, a year and a couple months. Yeah. Uh, and so her friends are like 19, 18, like around there. Uh, so her friends are her age or younger. And, mm -hmm. uh, and so um, 
we were with him and and I would say that uh her friends aren't really like my friends in terms of like what we talk about and that's okay I mean it's, she's a different person than me uh and so I had a hard time like getting acquainted with them because I couldn't just jump into a conversation about like oh I want to talk about uh uh have you ever thought about why it is that like butterflies are able to fly you know yeah <laughs> that's not about to fly no we're this... not about to be talking about why it is that we walk with our feet you know with our hands that's not about to, that's gonna i'm gonna be looked at like what the fuck you talking about dude it's more the conversation probably is gonna be geared around man that car is that's a nice car huh yeah you know let's talk about the parts of the car you know yeah that's something i could probably talk about with one of her friends but i couldn't talk about that I can talk about butterflies and shit and why we walk with our feet, you know? Yeah. Philosophical, that wasn't really like, they want to hear all that. So I had a hard time of like, oh shit, what do I do? You know? So I was just quiet and say anything. But over time, I started to really get upset because I'm like, man, you know, the things that y'all say and the things that y'all do, I think that y'all have a very small perspective on the world. And that's how I was thinking. I was like, Yo, know, you could be thinking deeper and you probably could be thinking more in depth about what you're doing or saying. Like, there's yeah. more to life than just this, this, and that, you know? And I was getting upset and I was getting frustrated. But you know what's crazy? I took So we were about to go walk onto the strip yeah. in, uh, in Vegas. And Johnny had never been on the strip. So it was really cool because, you know, she got to see it for the first time. Yeah. And um, they were taking dabs. Never took a dab before. And I was oh, like, wow. I was like, Fuck it. You know, I, oh, I'm going to try. All right. What happened? Because you said some things about sometimes weed hits you the wrong way before. So but now this you're is the crazy naps. part of the story. Usually THC fucks me up. I, yeah. I take a hit of something. And Wait, so you don't know what it was? Nah. Okay. I just took But it, it probably had THC. But then again, it's like, yo, fuck it. Yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. yeah. Why am I tripping? You know? So I'm, I'm with well, my girlfriend. Uh, yeah. I there's a good be. reason, but I see that was your thought process. Yeah, You're describing it. This doesn't mean you agree with it now. No, no. <laughs> Next time, I'm going to be cautious. But this time, I took the dab. And mind you, I took the tiniest little baby, little scrape of whatever it was, wax, I think. The yeah. tiniest little thing on that little pin that they have. Yeah. And she put it in the rig and mm -hmm. whatever. And I and I only took half of the smoke that yeah. was generated. So mind you, it was a tiny baby ass dab. Yeah. I was high as shit. And afterwards, I didn't think it would hit me so fast. And it did. It hit me very quickly. Mm -hmm. And I went to the, we were in an Airbnb and I went to um my room and I went and I was like getting something on my back. And I wasn't really getting anything. Yeah. It's just I didn't want to be around people. So I went to sit there and wait for it to hit. So I went inside and I pretended like I was getting something. I wasn't getting nothing. I was just waiting for it to hit and it hit me. And I went and I saw Jarnay sitting on the couch and I sat next to her and I was like, yo, I feel weird. I was like, it hit me so fast. What, what kind of weird? It was like a... So the whole time I was anxious and paranoid because I was, yeah. in, I was in an uncomfortable environment. But it stopped. And after I took the dab... It stopped. Oh, you were anxious and paranoid before the day. Yes. Okay. And I was very anxious, very paranoid. I was like, to the point where like my stomach was hurting all day because just anxiety. Yeah. And I took the dab and it stopped. And that shit literally stopped. I had nothing in my head. And it was crazy. I don't even, I was like, what the fuck? And yeah. so I had to go, I went to Jane and said, I feel really weird. And she was like, what? Why, how, why do you feel weird? And I was like, because like I feel like normal. Like I feel yeah. like I'm chilling. You know, she yeah. said, because you're relaxing. And then it was that word. It was as if it, it was as if that word carried like a cure or something. And she said relaxing, and yeah. my whole fucking brain chemistry switched. Like wow. my my whole perspective on life switched. I wouldn't say it, it wasn't that extreme, but it felt like that in the moment. Like she said, "You're relaxing, and everything 
about me just calm down. Mm. I real I noticed certain things about my body. Yeah, the fact that I'm doing it right now, I'm not sitting back. Like the f- I'm re- I was I'm not I don't relax on a daily. I'm always like tense and I'm always like um I'm ready to I don't know as if it's always if I'm I'm preparing for something yeah. that isn't even there yet. Wait. Let's pause for a second. Uh-huh. I, this this lawnmower stuff is pissing me off. Oh, I didn't yeah. realize, I didn't make that prep. Sorry about that. Oh, you're just good. Just close the fucking windows without breaking anything. You're good. Yeah, I didn't, this is making uh, a preparation. I did not prepare for a work party. All right, sorry about that. <laughs> now, now I'm more relaxed. <laughs> Yeah, so you felt like you felt relaxation for the first time in a while, maybe yes. maybe first time ever. Yes, a long time. <laughs> I can't remember the last time I was just like relaxed and I felt relaxed. And the crazy part is too, I always go to, to Vegas with my parents and so we weren't really doing anything. We just me and my brother just chilling in the hotel because I'm not turning twenty one until this July and so I yeah. can't really do much. And <laughs> um and so uh we were just chilling in the hotel and just, you know, Eat. My parents would just send us money. We just go eat. You know, there watch you movies. Yeah. So I mean, I'm chilling, but I'm not really out and about. Yeah. But this time we're out and about. We're out walking around. And we went to the M M&M and M factory, and we went to like the Hershey's chocolate factory or something. Who did was, you go with? Um, Jane and her friends. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Not your parents this time. But no. Normally you go with your parents. Yes. Yeah. It was just us, and um, very interesting experience. And uh, I'm gonna talk about the whole experience, but this story is like, um. Uh, it changed the way that I even look at marijuana now and when I smoke. But the sad thing is you don't even know what you smoked. I don't. Yeah, so it's not even clear that you can repeat the experience. I remember my friend um, Travis, um, he had some oil. Yeah, it was oil. And he told me that the strain was called OG Thunderfuck. And I don't know where I can get that, but that was... Do you go to the dispensary? The no. F Street? Mm-mm. They might have that there. They might. I just started going because I smoked uh, CBD joints a couple of times. Uh-huh. And it, like CBD, I think, is something that's a little bit harder to get on the street. I just smoked some last night right before I went to sleep. Yeah. Okay. Where'd you get it? Um, Ian. It's okay. still the same stuff. Oh, it's the same stuff. See, yeah. Ian, indirectly, that was probably from a dispensary. Mm. But if I was just smoking anything THC, you didn't care if it was Indica or Sativa, I'd just be buying it from whoever has it. Mm. But since I wanted CBD specifically... I had to go to a dispensary, and it's a good setup. You just show your ID. Mm. That's it. I think 21 probably you yeah. have to be, so maybe you'd have to wait. But mm. uh, it might be 18. I'm pretty sure it's 21. Mm. Yeah. Damn. It's very smooth. Mm. They had cheaper joints in Davis than they had. I got the same thing in San Jose like a couple of weeks ago, mm. like maybe 5% or less THC mm. CBD joint, and it was 13 bucks, and here it's 8 bucks. Mm. So it's actually... You know, a decent price. But what's interesting now is that whereas I used to be afraid of THC because um, it put me in a certain state of mind. Yeah. Since that moment, I've been smoking. Every time I have the chance, I'm smoking THC and I want to. And it's it's been good. You've had good experiences. And, you know, it's crazy, too. Um, I recently found out a a friend of mine, um, an older friend of mine, she... um, she like isn't going to school here anymore because um what I presume um to be depression, as what my friend told oh, me, who was wow. closer friends with her. And I didn't know this. And it was completely unaware to me. I kind of to an extent I kind of forgot about her because she's never around in my circle. And so yeah, yeah. um and we weren't really close friends like that anyways. And so I wouldn't like text her or anything like that because that's kinda like 
it would be kind of weird in the type of relationship we had. It, so I yeah. didn't. And so um, now I found that out. And at the time we were smoking. And um, usually when I found out news that like breaks my heart or really upsets me and I'm high, I go into like a bad phase, like a bad yeah. like state of mind. Yeah. But when I found out that news and that really was heartbreaking to me. That she was depressed or that she stopped going to school? Because of depression. That's yeah, what yeah. was really heartbreaking. And the fact that I probably could have helped. I mean, I, I could have made well, any. It's just the fact that I didn't know. I think that yeah, is yeah. what saddened me. Uh, but I was able to control my reaction to it. And I didn't lose myself into my head when hearing news like that. And um, typically when I'm sober and I hear something like that, uh, I suppress it immediately. I'm like, uh, like Nipsey Hussle, right? Nipsey Hussle passed. Yeah. Uh, when he's murdered. And uh, yesterday, scrolling through the internet, shouldn't have been scrolling through the internet, uh, <laughs> scrolling through the internet, and I saw something I didn't want to see related to his death. I didn't want to see that, you know? Certain things that we have access, access to now on the internet. And it's crazy because subconsciously, it was like something in me was so curious to keep searching, to keep searching. Not purposely searching, but just knowing that I might run into something I don't want to see. And then you run into that thing that you don't want to see. Yeah. And you look at it and now it's in your head, you know, and now it's yeah. like, I didn't want to see that. Well, there's a, a weird note on that, though, is good thing you at least were able to see it mm. because the way a lot of social media is going, it's not even going to be possible for you to see something you don't like yeah. after enough time goes by. Once the mm. data gets refined enough and, you know, the, the social media outlet understands what you already like, then usually mm. they just... Or the trend is that they just keep feeding you things that you like. So mm. it's bad experience, but it's good that at least you got some exposure. What did you see? Um, it was a video of um, Nipsey laying on the floor and the paramedics trying to uh, resuscitate. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah that's just I didn't want to see that. And yeah, it's like a. It's I, I was thinking about this yesterday and how like rappers and um, it's sad because um. A death that I think really affected me, and not to take any attention away from Nipsey's death, but a death that reminds me. I wasn't paying much attention. To Nipsey's oh, death. <laughs> but I didn't want to take the energy away from it by no, directing. It's fine. It. Uh, um, a death that really affected me that happened last summer was XXX Tentacion. Very, really? Yes. That affected me because um, I saw a young man who did a lot of stupid things and hurt a lot of people. With his action, I mean, and I don't mean like hurt like a bunch of people, but hurt some people yeah. and was abusive to some people. Um, but then I also saw him want to change and want to correct his actions. And I saw a man like a young man, my age, we're, we're, we're the same age. You mm. know, like, I saw him like realizing that what he's doing is 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 bad and what he did was bad and realizing how much of a, a purpose he has in the world and that if he keeps on abusing people if he keeps on saying certain things and if he keeps on letting his anger out on, on people then he's going to continually perpetuate a stereotype that is already existing in this world and i saw him want to change sadly he was murdered in the process of changing and his death at the time he said still not corrected not that he had to correct his mistakes but the things that he was going, that he died at the time, the cases that he has, the abuse, the, uh, um, uh, I think there was an abuse charge that he had um, directed towards his, he abused his girlfriend physically. And so that was the charge he had at the time. That's what he died with. And that's the baggage he died with. And those are the mistakes he was owning up to. And those are the mistakes he was talking about saying, I need to 
I need to rectify my actions. Like I, I did something bad. I hurt someone and I need to like make up for my actions. And not, and he was in the process of doing that. Then he died. So his legacy, that's what's left on, in his legacy. That's yeah. what we remember him for. And we'll never, the world will never forget that as we shouldn't forget it. And it's something I wrote down um, that I was really thinking about. It's also something J. Cole said. Um, well, I'll talk, this is, I got from it. I got to this point from J. Cole and he said that, we look at um, we look at our men today, and we look how some we look at how some of our men um, abuse our women, either verbally or sexually or physically. We look at how that happens, and um, that woman should be healed. And that that person, uh, or that's those are my words. But what J Cole said is that we look how that happens, and as soon as we see that person, we see them as wrong as we should. But we kick them out of our conversation, and we like we forget about them, and we avoid them, and we like push them off into a corner but the reason that they're acting like that is because that's where they already are you know lashing out they're lashing out at anyone they see is weaker than them and if men do see men, women as weaker than them because of patriarchy and a whole bunch of other things the way that men and women are socialized both together um simultaneously and differently and apart and separately um but that they're already pushed into a corner and uh, and i'm specifically talking about men of color because it's a it's a very particular corner that we're pushed into because yes we are men but we do have a race upon us that isn't the dominant race in America and so though we have power as males we only have power against our own women or now I won't say our own women our women of our race because that sounds very possessive and it is possessive and it's not what I'm trying to do <laughs> women of our own race yeah uh yeah and those are the only like in the patriarchy only feeds us with that a woman not of my race, a part of the dominant race. Sure, I can say some things to her that might affect, that will affect her. I can say some things that yeah. are very misogynistic. When I try, I'll go out in the world and achieve some power. It's very unlikely that I'd be able to do very much. I might be able to do something to that one individual, but all the individuals that look like them of their gender, very little I can do because I'm Afro. I'm I'm I'm, I'm still a man, but I still have this race. I still have this baggage. Um, and something I thought about. And it's um, well, uh, uh, one way that I would summarize it is that in um, a lot of abuse cases, um, the person who's abused is a victim, but mm -hmm. the person abusing is also a victim from the previous cycle. Mm -hmm. And if, if they don't do enough healing from the previous cycle, then that's the natural result mm -hmm. because it's the only model that exists. It's a it's a model that can be burned into your mind mm -hmm. by force. And then you have to undo it fast enough so that you don't end up burning it into someone else's mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it, basically, I think what you were trying to say is um, people who are from marginalized groups who also abuse. Mm -hmm. One side of it is that they can only abuse people who they have power over. Mm -hmm. And another side of it is they're already in a corner. So if we punish them by forgetting about them and pushing them deeper in a corner, that's not a solution. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they're starting yes. in a bad spot. They abuse the people who they can. Mm -hmm. And they also need healing different healing, but mm -hmm. they need healing in a way that a victim needs healing too. Yes. Yeah. Their healing will come after the person they've affected is healed, of course, but it has to come. We can't forget about them. Yeah. We can't. Yeah. They have work on both sides that needs to be done. However long it takes to heal this individual that they've hurt, we still, we need to put that type of like energy into them once this person is healed. Because I think 
what the issue is is that uh, people never really heal from sexual violence. It, you don't really heal from something like that. And so I couldn't say that once the person they've affected is healed because they may never be healed. They may never be healed. But regardless the person, the the abuser has to be healed as well. And, I, um, I would say they're completely separate. Yeah. And it's a different, yeah, like you said, it's a different type of healing. We yeah. can't heal them the same way. There's this, not, it's a different thing. It's a different uh, wound. Mm-hmm. Because people, people who, who, people who abuse are aware of their actions. They know it's wrong. But it's not that, um, because I used to look at, uh, let's say I, I used to look at people who are racist and I used to think like maybe they just don't know it's wrong, but maybe they think that. What? That is, yeah. Well, what's, how did, what was your conclusion there? My conclusion is that like, sure, there are people who don't know what they're doing is wrong, but that's because they're either, they're either young and they haven't really seen the world. They've been copying the people older than them. Their parents, for example, little kids, little kid walks up and calls me the N word. I'm not going to go and like, beat up that little kid. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to be offended. Sure. But I can teach this little kid. Yo, you know, you don't say that to me. You You're know, more worried about their parents. Yeah. Their how parents. Exactly. How yeah. they learn that their parents taught them that primary socialization. And so, uh, but if their parent came up to me and said it, that person is very much aware of what they're doing. They're not ignorant, you know, and they're not stupid. They're just an educated person telling me these things. And so that's where the, that's a deeper problem. Well, so, another thing too, is some people feel as if they're picking the best option out of all of their options. So mm. maybe they think there are, there are different levels of wrong and they pick, pick the lowest level, but they're not aware of some other options that are even better than that option. So mm. it's kind of the, the science way of thinking about it is we're constantly building models of the world, but all of our models are shitty compared to the next model. Mm. So or like updating a car, or updating a phone. It's not that the phone, it's not that people thought it was perfect what they were doing. Maybe they just think, this is the best option that I have, given all the options that I'm aware of. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like, could you be a, uh, you know, extremely like, could you care about uh, gender pronouns back in the United States if you're a white dude back in the time when slavery is legal? That's like you would have to be so far outside of the norm to do something to worry about something like that. Yeah. So, so it's just like, what are your options? There's practical options that, um, on some level are socially reinforced, mm-hmm. but it might be that given what you believe your options are and the, you know, rewards and punishments that come with each option, that even though it's wrong, it's still better than some other option or it's the best out of the ones that you have mm-hmm. or that you feel that you have. Mm-hmm. You know, what's interesting about, um, all of this is that we're in a rapidly, I would say a very rapidly uh, progressing social world. Whereas, yeah, well, in some ways it's progressing. I have a, a few yes. criticisms. Yeah. Oh, heck yes. I don't <laughs> and, think well, we're. Uh, before I even say anything, what I mean by a few criticisms is that I think it's like a sine wave. Not even mm-hmm. that. It's like a decreasing sine wave. The amplitude is decreasing. Mm-hmm. Where it's uh, it's getting closer and closer and closer. Almost like if you pluck a rubber band and it's vibrating. And then eventually and it, comes it, it comes to a stop. What The the final state, that's where we want to be. But mm-hmm. before we get there, there's going to be fluctuations in a lot of directions. Yeah. And we're in a lot. We're in a weird time where we might oh. be at a peak <laughs> with, with respect to some of these fluctuations. Uh-huh. Where it's like, okay, come on. This doesn't even now. Come on. You know, and that that's kind of what I want to get at <laughs> because um, it became. I think it's very uh, makes me very anxious because uh, when I'm in certain conversations with people, 
And um, I'm so used to the way that I um, engage with people, my, you know, my community, my people around me. I'm so used to that. And I get in certain conversations with people and um, certain conversations that I think are like uh, more rooted around like gender um, and um, race and like those social things. And, I'm, yeah. and so what I'm used to talking about and what I'm used to like um, being able to say, yeah. sometimes I can't, you know, and, yeah. and I'm aware of that. And I'm like, okay, I can't, uh, this person may look like my sex. But that's not how they identify. And so okay. switching my pronouns is something that you must consciously do. It is a, it is a, um, it's very quick because I'll, I'll say certain things that I'm not, and this is, this is the crazy part because when I say like, what's up, man? I'm not <laughs> yeah. saying that I think you're a man. Yeah. It just comes out. It but just here's comes the out thing. Naturally. To me, I think there should be responsibility on both sides mm-hmm. where if you mm-hmm. say, what's up, man, mm-hmm. the person receiving that, can be offended, mm-hmm. but they should also understand. And they have a right to. They have a right to, but they should also understand that there's a difference between you saying, I don't respect your gender identity, mm-hmm. and you just using a common phrase that happens to have man in it. Yeah. And it's something that I'm, like, I'm, your intent should matter to some degree. Even yes. if they are offended by it, they should acknowledge, okay, I know you were not trying mm-hmm. to insult me, mm-hmm. but you did insult me because I'm not a man or something like that. Yes. It's, it's different than fuck you. Yes. You said, what's up, man? It's like, wait a minute. Now, uh, let's be real. I'm not, I'm not out here, uh, you know, trying to attack you for your gender. That's, mm-hmm. it's just really a, a matter of, um, under, uh, understanding the, the true details of the communication. Yes. And luckily no one has done that to me. No one has said like, fuck you. Luckily it's just been like a, a passive, like, uh, you can feel the awkwardness, yeah. You know, but it, it was a it was kind of passive. It was like okay, let's just move on type of thing. Um, and I, but I felt as if I need to rectify, you know. And so the next time I said something to a person like "bye," I made sure I didn't na- say anything that had to do with a gender or a sex or a characteristic. I didn't do anything like that. It was a "bye" so and so's name, or if they're around me and I hear uh, and I hear this person um, around me, hear the voice around me. I made sure that if I got into a conversation with them at that point, I made sure to say things like them. And um, yeah. but and using neutral things, I think, is the best edit you can yes. download into your 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 uh, way of getting around. Because like, then you don't have to worry anymore about the details of who's who. You just yeah, do things. Just do it's it. almost like uh, as as men. There was some decision at some point that for Mister, mm-hmm. it doesn't change when you get married. Mm-hmm. It would be best if that was true for everything. That mm-hmm. instead of us worrying about all these details, you just say, listen, I'm just going to use the general one. And it doesn't say anything about you. I don't have to make any assumptions about you. Let's keep moving. And it's crazy. But it's not that crazy. It's very interesting how we as people, um, when we pick up on something, we forget that there's another group of people who exist that aren't, that they're, they're not doing the same thing that we're doing. But- They've also picked them up, up, up on that thing. And that sounds very confusing. But so what I'm saying is like, um, us, right? Let's say, um, we use the N word to each other. We're just saying yeah, it, yeah. right? Just saying it. And, uh, it's cool. We can, let's say we were just doing it. We're okay with it. Yeah. Somebody who doesn't look like us says it. And let's say in the time we got offended, like, yo, don't do that. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I think that's very similar. So how if you're a person who doesn't identify with a binary gender and you're using certain terms, yeah. and I came 
and I called you by the binary gender I thought you were, and you got offended. Like, hey, don't do that, you know? Yeah. I think it's, um, I won't say the, the same thing, but there's a parallel. And the parallel is that um, it's it's a way that we choose to identify ourselves as like a as an in group, right? And, and yeah, and I it's think a, that's the heart of it. Yeah, and it's like it's an in group thing, and it's a the as a insult, person. Honestly, I think the insult doesn't even come from someone believing that you're trying to attack them or trying to disrespect them. Mm-hmm. It just comes from the fact that you're not in their in group. Yes. <laughs> but yeah. think about it. As as human beings, what sh- shouldn't our end goal be that everyone's in our in group? Yes. Yeah. yeah. So I think in the long term, what do you think is the long term, uh, the best thing for the in work? Do you think only black people say it till the end of time? Or do you see some kind of an in-between, more nuanced thing that might be a little bit better than that? I think okay. Well, I think there's I think there's a nuanced. I think there's there's a better version of saying it, and because mm-hmm. I think that it comes from um, we have the hard R, but then we have yeah. the double G A. You know, the double G A <laughs> is what's thrown around today. Well, the thing about it is the hard R. Is anyone even saying that? Yes, but just not in our faces. <laughs> like <laughs> okay, so let let's be clear. The the um the the just talking about meaning, mm-hmm. the E R would be like. Uh, you are less than human. That's you're, one thing to say. I possess you. Like you're my Okay. Possession. And that might come with being less than human, but yeah. let's say I possess you. I'll mm-hmm. go with yours. Another one could say, you are in the best position in my in-group. Okay. Okay. <laughs> right? Okay. Very different meaning. Yes. The second one, mm-hmm. what's the future of that one? Only black people, you're the best possible person in my in-group? No. I think it's something that Kendrick Lamar um, said a while ago and in one of his songs. I, mean, I, mean, I forget what song it was, but he's talking about the word niggas. And, um, yeah, I've heard that. And, That's um, in uh, To Pimp a Butterfly. Yeah, it's an Ethiopian word for king. Yeah. And so he talks about how the uh, the N-word comes from niggas. But I was confused as why he was telling us that, but then he kept using it. Because if you understand where it's from, why not use the origin? So my thing is, if we're going to call each other, we can call each other the N-word and we, we can say, like, I have my opinions on it. And I yeah. think that it doesn't give us power. I don't think it gives us power because I don't think we have power as people in, in America in the first place. We have power what? amongst each other. We have some power. We have power amongst yeah. each other. Yes. Yeah. But why is it that when we say things like Black Lives Matter, we're policed? That that to me says yeah. that we don't have not, enough not, power. Not within the justice system. Yeah, no. sure. But, but there are things outside of the justice system. That sure, exactly. Have. But yeah. if we if we're if America is governed by its laws and its regulations, yeah. then and we say things like that and we go to let's say we go to the president and say something like that, he's not trying to hear that. So Yeah, but the thing is we have to count every amount. It's like mm-hmm. if you say, if I don't have a million dollars, I have zero dollars. Well, you might have a thousand, two hundred. You're right. We have power. And I didn't yeah, want to mean and, it. And at the moment, at this moment in history, it's actually of significance because culture is the most valuable thing in You're the right. age of the internet. You're right. We have power. But I think what I meant was power in the sense that we can stop what's happening. And so do we have enough power to stop? certain things from happening certain things no like things related to the justice system at large no yes and that's <laughs> that's frustrating to me yeah how it is that it's a cycle of pain and like turmoil and a cycle of fighting like think about how many times we have like uh, i can only speak for myself my, my grandpa when he was younger he uh he had his afro grown out and he was walking he was doing certain things with the black panthers when he was younger uh 
those are certain things they used to do. But I remember having a conversation with him. He saw my tattoo and I told him why I had it. I have like, why I had the panther on my arm? And he said, um, he was like, yeah, you'll grow out of it. And he was, I'm saying that. Grow because out of what? Me being like, want to be. The Black uh, Panther face? Uh, me wanting to like fight for, uh, uh, fight against like uh, inequality. Like, okay. He said, he said, you'll grow out of it and you'll get used to it. That kind of stuff is the fact that the, our older generations have gotten used to it because over time they realize like, damn, you know, shit is just going to, it's a cycle. It's a well, reoccurring cycle. Everyone should do the best that they can and yes. move the needle a little bit forward. Absolutely. But, but they're never going to move it so far forward that they don't have to cope with inequality. Exactly. But so it's that discouragement. That amount, you have to live with that. But that doesn't mean you didn't make progress. Yeah, but not everyone sees it that way, unfortunately. And people get discouraged. I see it that way, whereas I know that as many kids as I can like see to realize themselves by the time I die, that's my goal. Just get as many kids as they can to have self-knowledge like at a young age so that they can like grow up and be confident in themselves and not be questioning all the time. And, and so, that's huge. That's and huge. It is huge. And now I, I realize that I will die one day having done as much as I can. And things might not drastically change, but I've been able to reach somebody, you know, yeah. someone else is going to pick up the baton after me. And uh, and that's so I'm OK with that. But it's sad because uh, I'm getting my parents to realize this now. But like my grandparents may not see it that way. They see it as like, shit, I'm, I'm nearing death, you know, and like in a couple of years, 20, 30 years, you know, I might not be here. And uh I done seen so many things change. You know, my, our grandparents are now seeing technology. They've been into a time where there wasn't technology as it is today. And they're seeing all these rapidly occurring things. I can see how they get discouraged because yeah. you can see how it just gets drowned underneath all this new stuff. Yeah, but the type of impact that you're going to make if you're an ambitious, creative, you know, young man hmm. is not, It's they can't even imagine what that's going to be like. Yeah. The things that are going to be possible 15 years from now, it's going to be hard for us to imagine right now. Yeah. But when it's here, it's here. Yeah. And, you know, whatever your impact might be, if it involves using those things as a tool, if we're talking about technology, that's an obvious way in which you can be empowered mm -hmm. that they might not have been able to perceive the fact that we're sitting here now. This is unfiltered. This is not, you know what I mean? <laughs> we didn't st study to be on uh, television or radio. But, you know, I call it the fake radio show. I, I think people who aren't that, like, familiar with podcasts appreciate that title. But anyhow, there are things that uh, it's too hard for them to imagine. And maybe that's why they should have a different attitude than you. Hmm. Because if you're thinking about it from the ground troops perspective, it is depressing. But there's so yeah. many other perspectives. Like I come at a lot of shit from a math perspective, and it's very optimistic. And here's the basic rule of thumb. Um Everything is a linear combination mm. of smaller pieces. Mm. That's it. That's like the fundamental rule. This podcast, waking up to go to school, everything can be broken down into a combination of steps, like an algorithm. You do all the steps, you get the outcome, period. If you look at the world from that perspective in the age of the internet, there's a lot of stuff that you could do for any cause, for yourself. Just look at health. I learned so much about weightlifting over the last two weeks purely off of YouTube. Hmm. Why? Because we're living in an age of information. Now, 10 years ago, I didn't think, oh, yeah, it would be cool if I'm fucking learning about weightlifting in a dome, you know <laughs> what I mean, on a, on a computer. But, like, you can't imagine 
what's going to be possible with the new tool until it comes and you actually use it. So it's better to think, what do you really want and what tools do you have in, at your disposal and how do you put those things together to achieve what you personally want or what your group wants or what your tribe wants or whatever goal that you want. And it might not be, ding, 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 it might not be you joining the Black Panthers. It might be you writing on a fucking blog. Maybe that's the way that you're going to make an impact and it has nothing to do with that, but your grandparents can't perceive, they, they can't predict that that's going to happen. It could be you selling shoes. Nobody knows what the fuck is going to happen. So instead, just think, what do I want? How do I put together something that makes sense, that works? Hopefully, that makes you money. Hopefully, that's satisfying to you. That's our challenge. That's the challenge of people in the age of the internet. Whether you want to put that, put a Black Panther spin on that, you want to put a political spin on that, whatever you want to do, that's just the goal, right? But how you achieve that goal is pretty much the same steps. You get everything together and you go through all of it. You practice, practice, practice. You revise 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 hmm. you know it's interesting yesterday i was on a panel <laughs> for um I think the african continuum you were on the panel yeah i think i was walking around and i saw i saw some bad was it a diversity forum no okay that's it was at the chancellor's residence all right was it yesterday I don't know. Maybe. It was like during decision day, the whole thing. I don't know anything about and, it. And it was like just incoming Af um, Afro like um, high school students. And so we're like talking and we're just giving them our knowledge on what we've gotten so far from being here. And, uh, yeah, what'd you say? I said a lot of things. I think it's one What's particular top question. two or three? Top two questions was, um, um, and the question I'm actually referring to now is like, ah, what, did, what was asked? I think, um, how is it being an Afro student on campus? I don't like, like that question. Like, that that was the question. Like, <laughs> that was the... And, it, you know, it's a very, like, multifaceted question because I can only give you an opinion. You know, I couldn't tell you what it's actually but like. But how would you know the difference between that and just being Jason on campus? Hmm. Exactly. But, and that's why... <laughs> but I also feel like being Jason is no because being well, jason includes that and yes so so but it, it also includes being jason so yeah but you can't extract out the jason part <laughs> but that's also why i feel like even though me answering that question it's an it well it has to be an opinion because me answering that question i can only talk about how it is that i see it because i'm a very uh, I can be socially anxious, not all the time, but I can be. And so since I can be socially anxious, then I become paranoid. And so I may think that people are avoiding me or directing their attention away from me, which sometimes I do notice, but not all the time does that happen. Yeah. I and you don't know what it would be like if you were white, Jason, yes. because people might still be avoiding you. Yes. And then you don't have the basis of comparison. Yes. And so, though I may feel at times, there are times where um, people directly do things to me where I'm like, okay, you know, that was a little suspect. Um, and I have my under, I have my own emotion, I have my own understandings why they did that. But then there are times where I, I think people are being authentic with me, and I I pick out certain things, and I'm like, hmm, I have to question them harder because um, I think it's just the uh, it's the idea of every person that comes into you, every person that comes into your life. Um, that has a different cultural background than you, uh, we question that person heavier because especially if we're a person 
um, who's who and historically has been oppressed. So then a person comes up to you and you got to I'm like, I'm going to question you because now I need to know, like, if I'm going to let you in. Sure. I think you're a cool person. I'm going to let you closer slowly because I need to know what your intentions are. But should you do that with everyone? Yes. And I do do it with <laughs> everyone. That, all that means is you're letting in black people who otherwise wouldn't have fit no, the bill if they no. were white. Heck no. Because the problem is I used <laughs> to do stuff like threshold. that. Yeah. I used to do stuff like that and I realized very slowly, but then I, I realized it now like, yo, we're people. So it doesn't matter what this person looks like, regardless, this person is a person. And if they want to fuck me over, they will. And so, yeah. And so I learned that and I understand that. And so over time, I got to like appreciate being around people from different cultural backgrounds. And that's all different types of cultural backgrounds. And I got to appreciate the fact that uh, this person doesn't look like me and I can't have certain conversations with them. They, I can, but it might not really go anywhere because that yeah. might not be their interest. And so, but there's that's that, cool. there's the, the, I think that's the gold right there. It might not be their interest. Yes. And people, it doesn't mean that they don't care. It doesn't mean that they don't care, but here's one general rule of thumb I go by. People are interested in whatever they're interested in. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's a, that's a hard thing to realize. So, and people aren't interested in stuff that, you know, whatever they're interested in. And part of the mm. reason why I enjoyed your Vegas story so much is because it reminds me of myself. Yeah. You seem to be going through struggles that I completely forgot about, mm. which is you're slowly realizing that not everybody fucks with the same stuff. Yeah. So you got to figure out how you're going to live now. Yeah. Like, oh, how am I going to exist in a world where this is not the norm? It's it's, it's <laughs> like kind you want to talk about why we walk on our feet instead <laughs> of our hands. Most people are completely turned off by that. So you got to find some niche where you can still keep that part of your yourself alive, even though in the in the larger world that's completely useless, and people are going to be very annoyed by those types of conversations that you enjoy. But I think sometimes. <laughs> Sometimes, though, the mundane really frustrates me because I know if we're just going to be talking about like some girl you saw, I'm going to I'm not going to be sitting there for 30 minutes talking to you about that. I might jump into a fucking five minute small talk conversation about it and I'll be fake as fuck. But after that, I'm done. You know, I don't want to talk about that. But no, here's the thing. When I was in Vegas, we we started talking about. um, So the thing is that they like to smoke a lot and I don't smoke. Well, they were doing dabs, so. Yes, that and, and blunts periodically just throughout the day. And so there are a lot of times where we are breaking smoke and I'm like, yo, I'm not down. Like, I'm cool. Like, it was perfectly fine, but it's like, dang, I don't want to be high that long. But they smoke more than me and like high to them is very different than high to me. Yeah. High to me, I'm like fucking zoning out. But yeah. to them, they're like, nothing's wrong. You know, like absolutely a normal appearing. So I'm like, okay, uh, that's not how I'm like. So I didn't smoke as often as them. Um, Cigars are good for that, by the way. Cigars. Smoking for a long time, but just being normal the whole time. (laughs) But then I feel like I don't actually like the act of smoking. I just like being high. Okay. I actually don't enjoy it. I think it's like... Do you do edibles? Yes, but I also think edibles hit you way too fucking hard. Yeah. They just slap you in the fucking face. (laughs) It's so intense. But um, like the act of smoking... um, Yesterday, I was smoking on my pipe. My chest was hurting like a bitch. It yeah. was hurting so much. But it was like I was, I ended up being high though. So I was like, all right, you know, it was worth it. <laughs> it was worth it. But, uh, um, what was I going to say? Yes. Uh, I learned that, um, Oh, here's the quote I have. I never even say the quote. So from that whole idea of thinking that their perspectives were small, 
um, I learned that just because someone's perspective is different doesn't mean that it's small. Just looking at life from a different lens. Like they're looking at things from a different perspective. And it's very peculiar. This is a person that uh, you would not assume I would quote, but something that, um, you know, the rapper 6ix9ine. Yeah. Something he said. This Why would not, I assume you wouldn't quote 6ix9ine? I would he, assume you would quote 6ix9ine. He says a lot of stupid stuff. <laughs> now I'm like, yo, you could be thinking deeper about what you're saying. But then again, we're coming back to that quote. He said, uh, so 6ix9ine, the way that his name is, yeah, 6 and then 9. He says it's 6ix9ine because they're the invert of each other. And he says that just because, so the 6 is my perspective, but your perspective is 9. It's not that your perspective is right or wrong, and my perspective isn't right or wrong. We're just looking at things from a different perspective. But if you flip them, they might be the same thing. And uh, I was like, huh. You know, that's very interesting that he was saying that, you know? <laughs> And you it shouldn't comes have from, credited six nine for that because that's something you, you could have just else. said. Yeah. You could have just said on your own. Yeah, sometimes you flip your perspective and it's the same. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> well, shouts it, out to six nine. It's crazy because the things that he says and does, I don't agree with. And then here he goes and says this, and I I remember like, yo, this person may do some things I don't agree with, and they may be in a situation that I think they could have avoided if they would have thought <laughs> deeper into what they were doing, but. Here they go saying something that I'm nodding my head to. And I'm like, huh, how is it that this person of capable is capable of doing that? And I realize what I'm doing when I'm doing that. I'm like taking this person and I'm like, I'm, I'm taking their, their intelligence and I'm reducing it because of how they act and how they are. Yeah. It's in there. We People have an intelligence in there. It's bottled up. And all this weight and baggage <laughs> that we have is on top of it. And we, we act and we perform. But in there, deep inside, if you can really get into that core, some people, it takes a lot. Some people, <laughs> some people become, some people don't really, uh, ingest or let out that knowledge until they're institutionalized. You well, know? everybody, it's like I was saying, people are always interested in whatever they're interested in. That's reliable. Yeah. Another spin on it is like, everyone is great. At some things, mm -hmm. whatever they've been doing for the longest amount of time is probably what they're the best at, whether mm -hmm. it's just surviving within their family, whether it's building friendship networks, whatever it might be. But not everything that you can be good at is obvious to the outside observer. I mean, a, not, a easy example is not everything makes money, right? Mm -hmm. But um, there, there are other things that are like you really have to – like friendship networks, you really have to – be involved for a long period of time to see what the gym is there. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. where really are they thriving? Where where are they amazing? How are they great at this? Um, and marriage is an example of something like that, where certain people, you know, they're married for 50 years or whatever, and they seem the same as they were on the first day, but then you watch them when they're interacting with each other and you realize, like, oh, this is a very – there's a lot of – checks and balances that they've established in this relationship so that things really work out most of the time. They don't have too many, you know, disagreements get resolved. They can agree on things even when they're angry at each other. There are a number of things that can happen so that you're like, you wouldn't see it on day one. Mm -hmm. You'd have to experience it for long enough to see that type of expertise take center stage. Yeah. And, uh, you know, everybody's trying to cook some kind of a meal. Everybody feels like they have some kind of a purpose. I see you ingested the well. The, well, there. it's not ingested. It's a it's a it's a description of what we're talking about, which mm -hmm. is one way of saying you know 
six nine has this thing that's good amongst all this shit that's bad. As a chef, I would say, no, well, he has real wisdom. But what you're looking at is maybe um, the way that he's putting together sentences. Hmm. But maybe that's not really where his skill is. Hmm. Maybe his skill is just general pattern recognition, general wisdom. Th- that's more of like what an artist is like. Hmm. And then the details of that, well, that's you honing your craft. But the heart of it, having the insight to notice that people can have different perspectives does not require language. It does not require uh, that you would show out in any other dimension in your life. Hmm. It c- it's internal. It's you processing the world. How would you know how he processes the world? You know, unless you hung out with them, maybe. And even then, if you hung out with them, maybe the majority of what's going on when he's hanging out with you has to do with marketing for his business. So really, you're interacting not with him, but with his marketing team when you're hanging out with him or when you're seeing him in a video. That's not the heart of who he is. That's the external layer of a business. <laughs> you know what I mean? That, that might not tell you anything about what he what he is like. I think that... I think understanding that is a big way that we can combat things like inequality and racism. Mm. Great way to combat those types of things. Because I was having a conversation with my mom and she's she's picking up my brother from um, school and she saw some like boys standing around and she commented on the boys standing around and she said, um, why are they just standing there? You know, I was like, mom, what's wrong with them standing there? And she said, uh, she said, well, it's because it, it gives a bad vibe. And I said, why does it give a bad vibe? And she says, because they think that we're up to no good because we're just standing around. Then we end up doing things that aren't up to no good. But then I was like, but who allowed you to think like that? Like, who told you that that was a normal thing to think? And um, she understands what I'm getting at is that that's learned. That's not something that we just, that's a learned thing to think, to do, to assume that they're up to no good because they're standing still, you know? But uh, then she said, but... Uh, when she saw this girl walk by and as the girl walked by, all the boys turned and they looked at her butt. And so she said, see, they're up to no good. But that's also <laughs> a confirmation bias. And so it's like, um, you already thought they were up to no good. And yeah. now they did something that you don't think is good. Um, and so you confirming that, yes, they were up to no good. But if you didn't think they're up to no good in the first place and you yeah. saw them do that, you wouldn't think twice because you don't think you didn't think they're up to no good in the first place. But regardless, in the conversation, we we're talking about that. And then um, I said, well, let's say one boy turns and look at this girl's butt. And let's say uh, let's say he's the most charismatic and most, I guess, socially popular one out of the out of the group. So the other two boys, um, though they're their own people, they see him as someone who they need like affirmation from. They need like um, they need him to reaffirm them. Yeah. And so if he looks, then they will look, and then the second one boy will look, and then the third boy will look. Yeah. And so it's a it's a learned trait. But where did those boys learn how to do that? Well, they learned it from other boys. And where did those other boys learn from do that? It might have been a boy. It might have been multiple boys in the home and may have seen their dad who uh, is married to their mother, but do a thing that people do in relationships. Let's say the dad is hugging the mom and they're, they're kissing each other to being affectionate and he, he rubs her butt, you know, sexually. But in a sexual way that was understood by both parties, you know? Um, something that might be normalized in that relationship. Like, it's, a per- it's perfectly okay. Um, uh, and the boy might take that and say, like, okay, 
Uh, and it doesn't even matter. This dad could be the most respectful or disrespectful dad on the planet. Regardless, the boy will take that and say, okay, I want to do that. You know, like not understanding that that action was built up upon through marriage and through understanding the person, not just something that you do to another, to the opposite sex. That boy might take that and run with it, you know, not understanding yeah. it. It may not ask his dad, you know, why did you do that? Or like, should I do that? Just, we'll run with it. Because I remember being a little boy and running with something like that and just, okay, this is what we do to women, you know? Yeah. And it's not, it's, it's not the dad's fault and it's not the boy's fault. It's just, it's a, it's a part of like socialization, but- when it becomes, when it gets into the school, and now you have a bunch of uh, boys who not don't really know what's going on, blind, and walking in, telling each other these things. Now that's when you get into like the blind leading the blind. Uh, there's this understanding of what to do that isn't rooted in any type of like truth or sense. It's kind of just passed on, and um, then you have things where, uh, yeah, and, and look at. Uh, Men my, my age, your age, you know, uh, things that still happen. I know men who are in their 50s who still talk about women in such a way uh, as if they're like, uh, like, yeah, yeah, that one was this, this and that. As if they're not 50 <laughs> years old and have kids. I'm like, yo, what are you doing? You know, that's like a conversation 13 year olds have. You know, that's something you grow out of. But it's a part of like, it's a socialization that if it's not combated, will persist and remain. Yeah. And there's. There's positive socialization too. So yes, you can of teach course. people people can decide like on sports teams or whatever, fraternities. Um, hey, we're all gonna engage in these positive habits. Mm. We're all gonna spend a lot of time focusing on teamwork. We're gonna spend a lot of time focusing on being responsible. Mm. Um, we're gonna put ourselves in difficult situations and persevere even when we wanna quit. There's a there's a bunch of positive things that can be done. Like socialization can be used for good or bad, same as a knife. Mm. You can just be chopping onions or you could stab somebody. Mm. But uh, it's not, uh, it's, it, it, it is sad that in the story of your mom that the assumption was these people are up to no good mm. because that's kind of a habit that, that's kind of a, a way of thinking that's not even to her benefit mm. because someone else could be looking at her uh, and thinking the same thing and that would suck. Yet, She's in some way endorsing that mindset mm. that is at the same time oppressing her. Yeah. Say, hey, I assume right off the bat were these people of color, the 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 men that were standing together. Yeah, yeah. I assume this group's up to no good because people of color wouldn't be around each other unless they were planning something bad. Yeah, it's like the underlying argument. But if you're of color and you think that, it is a little sad because. That means that when you're hanging out with your own friends and someone else is using that against you, you actually agree with that uh, train of thought. Mm -hmm. And yeah, really that was socialized into you, but also we can combat it. And that's something that can be done socially. We could say, hey, I'm not going to make these assumptions about uh, consciously, at least. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to explicitly consciously make these assumptions. Or when I do about people of color when they're in groups. And when I do, I'm going to also think, oh, wait, I'm doing it again. Mm-hmm. Let me stop doing this. You're right. Thank you for making me aware of this and questioning me because I realize I don't really agree with that mm-hmm. state of mind. And I'm just doing that because it's my habit, but I can form a new habit. Yeah. And it's, it's something that, um, that I do as well and that I'm aware that I do. Everybody does. Yeah. It's like a, <laughs> there's no way you can avoid it, but you can, what you can do is catch yourself as yeah, you're doing it. And yeah. then it's, 
roughly the same as not doing it at all. And I think that was my conversation. That was the goal of the conversation between my mom and then later on with my brother as well. That was the that was the goal of the conversation. It's to to not make her feel like um, I was mad at her for it, but to make her like think about why I have to question her for doing that because. Um, it's something that, yeah, like I said, that I do. There are times where, um, and I think that when you're in the in group and you do it, it's a deeper, it's, it's a deeper reason for why you're doing it. If you have, if I'm looking at a different culture and I'm saying like, why is that group of people doing that? They're up to no good. I have no idea what they're about. I have, I have no like insight at all. I'm doing this solely based on what my culture thinks about them. But you're in a, when you're a part of that culture and you also do it, it's because people of the of that culture that you're a part of have done something to you, which has allowed you to think in that type of way. And um, my reason for doing it, if I see a group of Afro men just standing around having certain conversations, I'm going to not I'm going to avoid them. And the type of conversations that I might if I hear them talking about something like, um, uh, yeah, this so and so girl, yeah, I had sex with her or so and so this, this and that. If I hear that, I'm going to avoid that conversation. Because when I was in high school and I was bullied, my bullies typically talked about things like that. So they yeah. remind me of them. And I'm not avoiding them because I fear them. I'm avoiding them. Uh, not, I don't, I'm not avoiding them because I fear them because they're after them. I'm avoiding them because I fear them because I think they're going to bully me. And so yeah. I'm avoiding them and I'm not going to talk to them anymore. But I could be around somebody like you, Eric and Allen, who are also Afro, also men. And I'll be perfectly comfortable coming up and talking to you. If you're just hanging around doing nothing, not in my head, I'm not even going to double think like, I wouldn't even, it wouldn't even come into my head what are they doing. They're up to no good. They're plotting a murder. You know, I wouldn't even be thinking that because like, I know who you guys are and I know how you guys speak and I know how you guys engage with the world. And I, I like that, you know? And so that's why I'd be more comfortable being around you. And, um, I was taking a criminal justice class and, um, I had to make that aware to my, to my professor because from the new Jim Crow, she read something that Michelle Alexander said. And, um, it was like a study that was done. Um, and you have like, um, so you had people look at uh like random faces. They'll pop up in front of you real quick and they had to answer whether or not they're dangerous or not. And you have to like press one button for dangerous, one button for not dangerous. And people would just be pressing every time it's like Afro person, they'll just press it. You know, just pressing like the, the danger button. We are more likely to press the danger button versus seeing a non-Afro person, even though the non-Afro person would sometimes have a gun like pointing. Yeah, yeah. They'll just press it, you know, because it's just like <laughs> something that we're just used to. Like these people are dangerous, these are not. And I was, I was like, yeah, you know, that's very typical. I wasn't surprised by that. But so my professor said, she was saying, she was like, yeah, you see that even people of color, you know, like even Afro people, are afraid of other alpha people. So like, so you see, it's just the overall thing. I'm like, no, but it's deeper than that. It's not, I don't just walk up to JP and say, I'm afraid of you because you look like me. What the heck? Nah, if I'm afraid of you, it's because somebody like you did something to me and I seen something happen to somebody like you. I seen it with my eyes versus like someone who has never been to my neighborhood, has never been around me, but has seen the news, seen some shit on the news and then goes and say, you're dangerous. You know, what? <laughs> That, that's not rooted in any type of truth or well, experience. How many counterexamples do you have available in your life? So if you grew up in an area where there aren't any black people and it's only the news, mm. you might not have any counterexamples other than celebrities who are Very black. true. But if you're from, uh, if you've been around a large group of black people with diversity in every other uh, metric other than blackness, mm-hmm. Um, then you realize there's a wide range of ways that anyone can be, that any group of people can be. 
And uh, dangerous is some percentage of them, mm-hmm. but there's also a lot of non-dangerous yeah. people. And and exposure alone can kind of dispel the the, the narrative. But yeah, by default in this country, the narrative is danger. Yeah. I mean, I'm the da- the most dangerous person in the domes. Yeah, you know that, right? <laughs> yeah. The reason why I'm not at the work party is because that happened to me. That implicit bias basically mm-hmm. played a role mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in my overall. That's understandable. In my overall suspension, but yeah, the uh, the narrative that I was dangerous mm-hmm. was on the grounds that I had written an email. No, mm-hmm. writing an email is not dangerous. But the thing you you were already dangerous beforehand. Exactly. Mm-hmm. It was just anything. And in yeah. fact, they didn't even admit that it had anything to do with it. I said, why are people, why are people asking these things of me that I'm dangerous, that I need to just get off the property? And they said, well, they didn't, uh, they didn't want to write anything on it or tell us. They just yeah. wanted you to go. Uh-huh. And I was like, really? Y'all gonna do me like that? Damn. <laughs> but that's, it, it, there's, it's just, uh, uh, I agree that yeah. yes, you're going to be perceived as dangerous, uh-huh. but also, I think it's kind of funny. Yes, it is. <laughs> because because the reality is, especially in my case, uh, the danger, the counter narrative for the danger is like, well, have I ever been dangerous mm. in the past? Yeah, am I actually a dangerous person? Am I? And this because this happened after people had known me for over a quarter, right? Mm. Have I been dangerous? Have I been responsible? Have I been polite? Uh, no. Uh, yes. Yes. Okay. Have I? You know. Done everything I was supposed to do. I've been paying rent on time. Yes. Okay. So what is it really that this is? Uh, uh, have I, um, uh, you know, I've definitely done offensive things. Mm. Every podcast I do is offensive by nature. Mm. <laughs> but uh, other than offending, what have I done? Well, you've existed as, you know, a quasi dangerous person your entire life, mm-hmm. uh, especially now, especially since I am hitting weights now. Mm. But um, anyhow, ugh. one of the things is, uh, what else happened at that panel, at the conference thing? Because oh. you, you mentioned that they asked, what's it like being black at Davis? And I didn't like yes. that. Um, so when they said that, the person who asked the question, um, I mean, we were being real with them. We were just telling them, um, you know, you should be like a... You should be, I, well, I told them you should, uh, you're going to be tested. And so you should be ready to be tested because your patience is going to be tested and it will be tested because there are times where I feel like people aren't being, um, completely fair with me in the way that yeah. they interact with me. And I think that there's, um, people could treat me a little better. You know, do you think that there's a cultural component to that? Because yeah. I feel like one of the things that gets in the way is how much, what has to happen for you to feel like someone is disrespecting you. Very true. And different cultures have different lines. Mm-hmm. So I heard this one story that in China, it's so packed that when people walk, they just bump into each other. Yeah. But if an American was there, then they'd be very upset by this. Yeah. But that's just the norm. Which is why you have to be patient. Yeah. You got to be patient. But if you're not patient, you're going to get real hot-headed real fast. And people are really, sometimes we are really trying, like, not to offend me. Like, there, I, when I get into a conversation about ethnicity, you know, like yeah. with certain people, you can sometimes feel the tone of voice uh, and even feel the, the body language, the shaky voices and stuff like that, that pinpoint nervousness. Sometimes yeah. people get like that. You're a dangerous and, man. Yeah. I try to reassure them, though, and, and tell them, like, yo, like, what's going to come out of your mouth? If it's something that offends me, I'm just going to tell you. And I'm just going to say, yo, like, you know, next time you talk to a person that looks like me, you probably shouldn't say that, you know? 
and I'm not going to be mad. I'm going to I'm going to help you because how do these things come up though? Like let's say you say we're talking about ethnicity. What mm-hmm. would you be talking about and what would someone say? So let's say I'm talking to a person European descent and we're talking about like uh ethnicity and race and the difference between the two and how they mesh. Okay. And they ask me like uh uh And that's kind of fact-based, right? It is that's, fact-based. That's not even really a matter of opinion. Yeah, it's fact-based. And yeah. I'm just telling them about like Black African American, Afro American, why use the term and all the kind of stuff. And if if they uh, and so me telling them that they might be coming at me with certain jargon. They, they might say like, uh, they might say black people in the United States, like yeah, you know this, 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 and that. Um, speaking from facts, like black people this, black people that. And then I might say Afro, and so like that might scare them because they're like, well, what is, what the fuck? What is that term? You know? And I might, yeah. they might feel like they're offending me by not saying it, but I don't care what they use, you know? Yeah. I'm going to use what I want to use. And so, uh, I don't want, I won't get mad if they say black people this, but when I respond to say Afro people this, that shouldn't make them feel like, um, I'm trying to correct them. Like, so what do they do that offends you? Cause it sounds like that's something nothing. that gets them weirded out nothing they're not doing anything that offends me it's okay. just it's the fact that they think that they're going to offend me yeah, that makes them nervous yeah. and i don't want them to feel like that because then we don't have conversations i agree <laughs> it's a sad thing and it's like it happens with my professors like i'm sitting in class and i asked my we we're talking about subcultures and i said okay i'm gonna ask this question and i'm gonna make this man nervous i know it is it's gonna be hella awkward but i'm gonna fucking do it so i raised my hand we're talking about subcultures and i said uh does a subculture, can it be in, like, the type of terminology we use within an in-group, would that classify it as a part of a subculture? And he said, no, it would have to be deeper. It had to be actions and have to be, like, a shared meaning of actions and symbols. And I said, okay, well, I'm a part of a group, um, and we use the term Afro-American. And he said, and I was like, yeah, we do these types of things, and we use the term Afro-American. And I asked him if that would like, constitute as a subgroup. And he said, no, you know, it has to have the symbols and all this other stuff, which it does. I just didn't get into all that. And yeah. uh, I just wanted to see his reaction. After I said Afro-American, he wanted to regurgitate what I said and say it back. And he said, so, like, he wanted to say, like, African-American or black, but he didn't say anything. He stopped himself. He was about to say, I- and he stopped and he just started stuttering and he directed the conversation away from everything I said. Didn't re- He didn't reiterate anything I said. He just completely took the conversation, flipped it, changed the focus and moved on. Hmm. And I picked up on it and I was like, huh, he was uncomfortable. He felt yeah. uncomfortable saying that. And I'm not mad at him for feeling uncomfortable. It's just interesting how uh, I tried, but that level of uncomfortability is still there. And so it's like um, he's aware that I said something different, but I think it's the lack of understanding of what I said and plus the fact that he's up there in front of everybody and he's this professor. Yeah. And he's come this far in his education. And now he has something new. Like when you're at, when you have a PhD and you're teaching, you don't expect someone to say something that you don't have an answer to. But when they do, it might scare they sh- you. If they're any good, they should. I don't think he was like that. And I don't know this man deeply into the outside of the classroom. But from that reaction, I got a lot about him. Uh, it happened. It happens with a lot of my social professors, to, if I'm gonna be honest, because because it's a weird discipline. It is. It's a very like um, I'm it, gonna say everything that I say is correct. Everything I'm saying is politically correct. No one's gonna disagree with me. That's literally how class is. The whole class, everything that the professor says, everyone mm-hmm, 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 nodding their head robotically, <laughs> robotically nodding our heads until we walk out the door. And I'm like, no. Homeboy says some, he says some iffy stuff. There's class, there's times in class, my deviancy class, where he did some, 
some shit where I was like, no, that's wrong. Like what deviancy just, class. Yeah, it was about um social deviancy and like that doesn't even seem to be something that you could study academically. You can't. It's all opinion. <laughs> it's fucking opinion. And the fact that the reason I got so mad in that class is because we're learning about deviancy from this fucking old ass man, right? Um, not the professor, but the person we're reading. This old yeah. ass man who wrote about this shit in the sixties. And he's sitting here calling people fucking delinquents and vagrants and fucking um uh what was he calling people? He said some one other thing, um uh, infidels or something. I don't know. He was using all these offensive ass terms and the professor's like, it's it's the nineteen sixties, let's just look over that shit. <laughs> <laughs> all right, bro. Why are you using a book from yes, the Yes, bro, like come on. We don't have to use we don't have to use that book. But he really felt like this person was gonna give us a whole new perspective. The book, that shit didn't tell me nothing I didn't learn from walking around fucking campus. You know, yeah. it's shit like that. Like, talking well, about- to, to me, the only real benefit of uh, Soch is if you guys are getting heavy into statistics. Mm. If you're doing studies, if you're reading studies with a million people in them that then say a statement about whatever, transgender something. Mm. Okay, if you got a million people then and you got data- then we can have a conversation. Yeah. But if it's just throwing out this and then, okay, we're going to parse this into... A lot of it seems like coming up with categories for things. Mm -hmm. And some of the categories, I got to say, I don't really agree with the methods. I don't either. So it's like, okay, we came up with a new term this year. That's the mm -hmm. innovation. Meanwhile, you know, people are trying to write intricate proofs. People are trying to figure out things about nuclear energy, <laughs> invent shit. Mm. And it's like, what's your contribution? Okay, there's a new, we've carved out, we've split something into two groups. Mm. That's There's no data explaining why this is an important distinction, but we're just going with it anyway. Or terms, actually, I'm in a linguistics class. I'm going to cut off this idea oh, just no, to throw it out yeah. for a second. One of the things is uh, I tried to speak about this for a second, but it, it, it failed with, with a, another guy last week which is uh, emotional violence mm. is an example of one of these things where it appears to me to be a concept that it's not clear that it's a good concept, but it seems to be spreading. Mm. <laughs> and the reason for that is this. Um, violence seems to be uh, separate from fear, but they, they seem to be getting a little muddy. So basically, you can be violent toward me and I can have no fear. And I can also watch a movie, uh, go to a haunted house or watch a scary movie and experience fear, but there's no violence, right? Mm -hmm. So one of them is in your head and the other one is like, you know, external events are happening. Maybe that punctured the skin or caused physical harm. Uh, well, the thing about it is when you, if you say violence is the same as some kind of experience, then now the two kind of seem to be the same thing when in reality violence is different. And again, scary movies uh, roller coasters, things that are specifically meant to any kind of art is is specifically meant to stir up the emotions. But there's no you know physical component most of the time. Emotional violence seems to be a prime example of something where it's purely emotional, yet it's being advertised under the term violence for some reason rather than just an emotion, like discomfort. Someone could say, "Hey, I'm uncomfortable with this." But instead, they could say, "You're this is emotionally violent toward me. What does that mean? A greater degree of discomfort? Mm. But where's the actual violence? Oh, yeah, that's one example of something which mm. could be of this nature where, I don't know if that's sociology or humanities, 
but it's uh, it's an invention. Yeah, it's an invention where it's not even clear that it's a useful idea, yet because that's the innovation of the field, it kind of spreads. And it's like, well, is this helping? Basically, as a young philosopher, my question is, my stake in the game is, is this helping us think clearly about the world? Mm-hmm. And if it's not helping us think clearly about the world, why are we obsessed? Yeah, why are we even using mm-hmm. it? You know what I mean? Like, I can create a new color that might not be very useful. Like, hey, I'm gonna, it's in between orange and red, and we're going to call it, you know, honey. <laughs> okay, is it useful to do that, though? Or, like, what is the ultimate benefit of that versus how the world was before that? And, anyhow, uh, this is a part of the reason why I had, like, a bad taste in my mouth when you're talking about sociology. Because I'm like, listen, I'm a real uh, intersectional person, mm-hmm. as you could say. But I also study math. Mm-hmm. So I don't agree. I, and I like philosophy. I don't agree with bad arguments. Like, one mm-hmm. of the things for me that's always been a part of my standpoint, and it kind of comes out with the N-word and other issues. It's like, listen, I would rather be a good thinker and a black person at the same time than compromise my thinking to fit in with black people. That to me is weakness. It doesn't make sense to me to want to conform so badly that I actually compromise actual real philosophical thought so that I could fit into the group that whatever for whatever reason is in power. So the downside and the reason why every podcast is offensive is anytime I speak out on any idea, and nobody listens, by the way. I'm just saying it's offensive because I know it's offensive. <laughs> I don't think anybody's actually offended because they don't, I don't market it. Yeah. But um, it's, it's not so much that uh, a harm thing, it's disagreeing with the in-group. Like, no, I don't think this is good, and here's why. I'm not saying it because I don't like you. I'm not saying it because I don't come from your background or because of your identity, I'm saying this doesn't seem to be structurally sound. Mm. So that's my issue with it. I would say, like, even for the N-word, mm. it doesn't to me seem to be structurally sound to simultaneously have hip-hop music be popular mm. and to police people on the N-word. Mm. That does not seem to uh, match up. Mm. So you either got to reduce it in hip-hop, the black people who are making hip-hop, so tell them stop using the N-word, which would be bad because it would be a misrepresentation of the street culture that they're supposed to be representing. Mm. Or you say, you, you, you're you going to eventually say it anyway. Let's look at the reality of the situation. You, some white or some Asian kid in Japan Going along with my lyrics, saying the N-word is not the same thing as my ancestors on a fucking plantation with a white dude saying the N-word, whipping them. It's not the same. Number one difference, you're not getting whipped. You're getting money out of it. You know what I mean? You actually make money off of the N-word. So the fact that you want to punish your own customers, it doesn't make sense to me. But two, is it really offensive? Something being offensive is not set in stone. You can change your opinion. You're not going to change all the records? Fine. Change your opinion. Say, listen, it takes more than that for you to break me. Mm. Saying one word is not going to shatter my entire, entire family lineage. That's just, especially for people from the streets. That's not what they're afraid of. One Asian dude saying that who's paying them for a record. Mm. So it's the intellectuals that keep this narrative up. I don't think that many people even care that much. I don't think people are honestly, I think uh, they're honestly hurt as if they just got whipped on a plantation they're imagining the plantation they never had that experience maybe they had an experience of somebody calling them the n-word with hate 
Let's distinguish that from someone who's not doing it. Let's look at intent because that's how we want to be judged as individuals anyway. Mm. We don't want to say that person's a monster because they're black, they're dangerous. The same problem you're doing there is saying that person is bad because they said this thing, therefore they're somehow a slave master. No, they're not. They're just listening to the music. Mm. So you're speaking about (laughs) intention. Yeah, that their intent. That you said. Their intent. If you if you want your intent to be a part of the equation when something happens, mm-hmm. their intent should be a part of the equation before you call them a monster. Yes, I agree. Yeah, um, and that brings me back to Vegas. It's interesting. <laughs> I was thinking about this, and you directed it towards this, anyways. But in Vegas, um, my girlfriend's friends they use the word a lot, and uh, and they're uh, they're Mexican, and so uh, in the <laughs> love car, it. love it. In the car, love when it. we were sitting in the back seat in the car. Uh, the 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 dude it was his birthday the guy who was driving her friend he he turned he he looked at me he said yo I use the n word is that like cool if I use it like around you and yeah. um it was interesting because he's asking me because I'm there and so he would probably use it if I'm not there anyway so yeah. what I told him was he, like doesn't he have a right to what I told him is I said um I don't use it for my own personal reasons but tell him to use negus if you decide <laughs> to use it yeah. If you just and I said I don't use it for my own personal reasons, and I can tell you why. He never asked me. I assumed he didn't care, so I didn't say. And uh, uh, but when you decide to use it, uh, be wary of how it sounds when it comes out of your mouth. That's all I said. Yeah, it's a and, ri- the only real thing is it's a physical risk, and he has to. But the, my thing him. is when he said it around, he never said it to me, and I told him not to say it to me. I told him not to call me that. But if he called his other Mexican friend that. I didn't stop him because the reason I didn't stop him is because me stopping him in that moment, uh, me telling him, um, all right, let me actually get my words together. Um, right. Like you just said, his intention, him saying that, though I didn't agree with him saying it, his intention in saying it um, wasn't rooted in hate or racism. He wouldn't say it to me and he wasn't saying it to his Mexican friends as, as, a, as a way to hate them or be racist towards them. Now, I would have a problem. I would have a problem with someone saying it if they were of European descent. I wouldn't let that happen. Even I would if tell, it wasn't hateful. Yeah, I would still tell them like, no, don't. But do why that. is that? I think it's just a, it's a thing. It's sharing the identity. It's a shared identity with people who did use it for hate. And it's because of that, and it's something. But that, they're sharing identity with you by using it now. But my question also is why? Why do you want to use it? You know, like why do yeah, you? Yeah, it depends. Like, probably rap music. Ninety nine percent. And if that's your reason to why, then I say no because. I don't agree. I, I don't listen. I listen to rap music. Sure. Yeah. I don't agree with them using it. So you're just as much as capable of disagreeing with them as I am. So therefore you should think deeply. I want the person to think critically of why they're using the word before they use it. That's all. Now, yeah. if you thought critically about it and you came here with me in <laughs> argument and said, this is why I'm, I use it. And I thought critically about it. I'm still yeah. going to disagree with your ass, but yeah. at least you thought, <laughs> at least you thought about it. At least you're not some fucking uh, copyright follower who's yeah. just doing it because it's popular. At least you thought deeply about it. It. I'm still going to tell you no, but yeah, I want people to think. I don't want people just to do it because it's cool. How about if a white person owned black slaves and they would they be able to call the black slaves that in today's day and age? Would that because that's the proper use, right? Oh yeah, I'm sure they would. But I no, still no, no. What, oh, so wouldn't you? Would you agree that no. they should use it? No, because that's no. the proper no, use. They, no, <laughs> no, no, no. It's not even about proper use. And so, like, what if they're actually hateful? Mm. They own black slaves. It's 2019. They're on Instagram. Mm-hmm. They use it. Well, I wouldn't agree with them using it, but them using it in that way 
I'll understand why. Because mm. they're hateful. Because to me, that the the confusing bit to me is that that is the only reason to be offended by it, and that's not the case most of the time. The reason to be offended by it is because people, you know, this was a very hateful thing mm-hmm. uh, back in the day, and it can be extremely triggering for anyone who's had any kind of contact mm. with that world of extreme slavery, right? But mm. <laughs> in the modern day, that's not the situation that's happening. Mm. It's just people are consuming music. It's an in-group, out-group thing, no different from... Uh, Using most slang when you're not from an area that uses that slang. But here's my argument. And I agree with you because I do not believe that when people use the N-word amongst each other and they're not Afro, like they're using it in like a, to be racist. I don't think that. In fact, it's literally a loving term within the community. Yes. And it doesn't even go through my head that they're being racist. I don't even think of, I don't think twice about it. I do hear and it goes into my head and I say, well, that person shouldn't be using that. But when I engage with that person, I'm not angry at them and I'm not mad at them. I don't hate them. Um, however, I also don't believe that Afro people can use the word and then tell someone not to use it. Cause I think that's yeah, silly. It's, I it's, think that's backwards thinking. How are you going to, you can't use something. Sure. It was used against you before in your life, well, in, in your, in your ancestral lifetime. It was used against you and your ancestors. So, but then you simultaneously do it, popularize it and expect someone not to do it, expecting people not to be followers. That's the, it's, it's part of human nature to follow. You know, it's part of human nature to follow something that's popular. So then I came came upon the conclusion that I understand where it's from. I understand why it's used, all the different ways that it can be used. And I realized that has no purpose in my life. So there's no point in me using it. I don't want to yeah. use it. I'm not going to use it. Yeah. Uh, but if you were to use that, so if you were to call me the N-word, I wouldn't look at you crazy. No, because and I wouldn't. I, I don't think there's any real reason why I would use it in my normal life. And so that's... In lyrics... Every line. And, and so that's my point. That, that's my but, exact point. But it's a different thing. It's a linguistic experiment to write rap music. Mm. It's poetic. Everything is a metaphor. Sure. Everything is means something else. Sure. So you could be making the more general point. By using it regularly, you could be making the more general point that you don't identify with the intellectual elite, even though you have skills of the intellectual elite. Yes. And I say the word when I'm referring to it. In a conversation and it's necessary, I'll say it, you know, and I'll say it multiple times in the conversation a lot. And, but it's for, it's purposeful. And that's why I think it's important too. Um, and this kind of goes back to intention. When I'm saying it with a purpose, then I will say it. But there's no, if there's no reason to, why am I saying it? You know, it's great for humor. It's great for poetry. Yes. (laughs) Other than that, I'm like, what? There ain't no use for this. Like, it's just, it's like, you're right. If I threw that shit in a poem and I threw that shit in a rap song and it was, I did it for a reason and I was, it was for a context. It wasn't just because I could have said my homeboy and I said it instead of my homeboy. That's something that I wouldn't do. But if you did that and I had meaning to you and you wanted to do that, I couldn't question you because your meaning is your meaning to the word. Now that's because I share an identity with you racially. Now, if, if someone else just did it, like some, you're like, let's say Eminem doesn't use it, but let's say Eminem did use it. And he was just throwing that shit around just because he's heard Qua- uh, uh, Quavo or fucking Offset use it. Then I have a problem with Eminem. You don't, you're just doing that shit because Quavo did it. You and know? the timeline's a little off. Eminem yeah, and Quavo. Yeah, true. Or, or fucking Dr. Dre. Like, <laughs> Dr. Dre is using it. And so Eminem's like, oh, I'm going to throw this shit in my LP, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I'm like, nah, don't do that. Because, you know, you just copying. You don't even know what that's about. You don't yeah. even know, like, that word, that word carries baggage. And if you're going to use the word, 
word, you, you have to be okay. You gotta be okay with the baggage too. You gotta take that shit with you. You gotta be okay with understanding that that word came from somewhere and that your ancestors now have been raped, enslaved, and all this other stuff. You gotta be okay with that shit. But also, more recently, Lil B dropped a mixtape. Little, I haven't heard a little. What I'm saying is this: you could be referencing something a lot sooner than mm. the ancestors and the slavery. Yes, of course. You could be referencing something that you just heard last week. Yes, and then be going off of that. So it's it's this kind of. I mean, language. It's kind of this moving train where the language is never. First of all, I'm not even clear what qualifies something to be a language because I'm in this linguistics class, and the definition they gave was horse shit. We were like, <laughs> well, "Hey, dude." Well, it wasn't even that. It was that they said uh, these are the. It has to have at least these components. But it was like, okay, do animals have language? Yes or no? And somebody said, yeah, you know, I think they do. And he said, well, whatever you think, it has to include these things. And then he listed some shit. But half the things on the list were things that we wouldn't even be able to observe in animals. Like, you have to understand, each per- each party has to understand the meaning of the phrases. Like, how would you know if a rat understands the meaning from another rat? Couldn't even you couldn't, you, there's no way you would know. So you can't even answer the question if anyone, you can only answer the question if you have language or your own species. But it's biased towards human. Yeah. That is interesting to me because um I I thought about um there is fucking Lord of the Rings. Mm. There we go. And Lord of the Rings, um, the language that they use yeah. is made up. It's not real. I think it's the elves. They have like a language. It's not real. Well, what does it mean to not be real? I That's think what, it is real. That, but I mean real in the sense that Someone would go and learn it and speak it, like outside of the movie. And, and like, it is, maybe it is real. And it is real. It's real from a uh, creation aspect, but in terms of social, I society, think socially learn those languages. But I fans, think, like you know, you know, there's like yes, Comic Con and stuff like that. There's like uh, there's super audience. fans that get really into stuff like that. Yeah, there's an audience. Um, but I think that it's the idea of being able to do something like that. And I think that is um, that what makes that's what makes language interesting because I could go umagama umagama right, and that could like mean some shit, you know. And if I if we what share, does it mean? Uh, it's actually from a skit that Kevin Hart did, and it's ah yeah. man, you can't steal Kevin Hart's. Language. But that is just off the top of my head. Wrong. No, it's not mine. It's just <laughs> off the top of my head. And so if I did that, and I like said some shit like that, or Kevin Hart said some shit like that, I'll say my own shit. Uh. Phonetics, phonetics, females. I forgot what it's called. There's a word in linguistics for the types of Bubbles. sounds your mouth can make. Bubbles. <laughs> Onions, phone. Phonies. Bubbles is an English word, but when you really say bubbles, that shit sounds stupid. When you're referring to you can't this, say, to me it doesn't because I've been speaking English my whole life. But I'm still speaking. I've been speaking my English my whole life, and that shit sounds stupid. I can't and unlearn English. I'll I think, never be able to get back to the sounds. I think that bubbles is a dumb word, but the fact that we say it to refer to that thing that's a bubble, that thing that a. Uh, the object that we're referring it to. The fact that we chose that word to give to it, I think is a complete uh human construction. I think is I think is bullshit. I think that everything that we <laughs> it's do a, it's it's bull well, how would it not be bullshit? 
What is this I thing? think everything's bullshit. I think everything's fucking. <laughs> then made maybe up. nothing's bullshit. What I'm saying is everything is bullshit. And everything's not bullshit at the same time. There's no way that you can do that right. Yes. So you can't because, say it's, it's something wrong about it. There's no right. No, I don't think there's something wrong about it. I think it's bullshit because if we give so much importance to words and language and we say, well, this is what this is because this is the word we use and this word is important because we have a shared meaning, I think that's bullshit. I think the shared meaning is the part that's not bullshit. Yes. Yeah. But I also and think you that- need consistency. But I think that the shared meanings, like we call this a, we call this a table. Yeah. And but, there's other languages that have other words for it. Yes. And all those other words and all those other languages, those are all sounds that we make with our mouth. And to give so much importance to the word and to the <laughs> object and get to give so much importance to it. I don't I think, think, well, well, I don't think we give importance to the words. I think we give importance. I think the language is beneath the words. Like mm. it's possible that I know that there's certain languages, for instance, that are very similar. Mm. Maybe the underlying structure of them is the same, and just the words change. I mean, there's always going to be some variation, um, but the heart of a lot of the Latin languages is just Latin. It's the same language. Mm -hmm. So, anyhow, the, the, even though the words change, I think the language stays roughly the same, and this, the language is what we really focus on and not the words, but it seems like it's the words because that's what we're interacting with directly. The language is more like a network of ideas. Like one thing that's cool, it's the Eskimo snow thing. To yeah. me, the cool thing about language, the cool thing about slang in particular, but is the Eskimo snow thing where there's more words for things that are more important to certain groups of people. Or, mm -hmm. or maybe they're just, it, there's more development in mm -hmm. certain areas versus others. And to me, one of the funny things about slang, and this is, this is just my opinion, right? But, is that the areas of development for like slang and black culture have to do with uh, illegal businesses and sex. It's actually more developed though in those areas than regular languages. So if you're going to talk about illegal businesses or sex, I think you would actually gain something by learning slang because you realize yeah, there's more vernacular. nuance. Yeah. There's more nuance yeah. in it. It's almost like in regular words, there's like, okay, red and blue are the colors. And then you learn slang and you're like, well, there's also purple. There's also like two more colors. Like there's new ideas in this language. Just like there's the different words for snow. They got the fluffy snow. They got the ice snow. For us, it's just snow. And then later on, we realize there are differences, but they embedded those differences in their language. The same is true for slang. I, I hold the premise that slang uh, that is used in rap is actually a language. Ebonics. Yeah. Yeah, it's a language and it's more developed in certain areas so that it's actually fun just as a linguistics guy, not as a street dude, but like just as someone who likes language, it's actually more fun speaking in that language a lot of the time mm -hmm. than it is speaking in proper English. Yes. That's the joy proper, of rap. It, that's proper is just the one that was decided. That's yes, what I mean. I don't, I don't mean better. No, no, I know I, what you mean. What I, I mean is of it. better in some ways. Yeah. I think proper English for instance is better at uh Things that deal with politics, I think proper English is the most fun way sure, to formulate yes. those ideas because it's kind of like, what was that? No, it's kind of like a mixture of lofty things like grand ideals mm -hmm. and poetry at the same time. And that's good for politics. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like, It's good for getting a meaning across beyond the people just here around you. Like, Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, I think idiom is the word for it, but uh, I was... 
I really like it when people say idioms that I haven't heard in a while. And one of them was uh, spineless. I was talking to uh, Sid's brother. And uh, he was like, yeah, this woman was spineless. So she had no spine. And I was like, that is such a cool thing that developed. It's an insult that means something very specific that I understand. Even though I, I, I don't even understand where it would have really come from. Is it insulting because... Uh, you need your spine to do something difficult? Or are you saying you're a different species that's not a vertebrae? I don't even know where it comes from. But I know that it's an insult. And like the fact that that insult has stayed in that format such that this person can just deliver it and I understand it is cool. But that shit exists by the thousands in slang. There's so many things that it's like they de- it was developed and it's just a package now and it's perfect. Like mad. Like you could say, I am mad, or you could say like I'm mad chilling right now. I'm mad you know? chilling right you now. You could exactly. say some shit like that. Like, <laughs> yeah, chilling. You know, I'm relaxed. That's another thing. Yeah. Being relaxed. Yeah. There's so many ways that you can tell someone, I'm not just giving you a message. I'm also relaxed as fuck right now. Mm. That have developed and they're they're embedded in that world. But if you if you're trying to just say the same message in plain English you realize there's not really much for you to grab onto. You kind of have to invent everything. That's why it's so. it's been so cool learning Spanish because um, I've learned that if you try to translate a Spanish sentence, it sounds backwards sometimes. <laughs> like if you said like, um, um, I could say like, voy a um, cuarto de JP. So yeah. I just say like, I'm going to the room of JP. Like I went, if I said that in English, it doesn't make sense. I wouldn't go and say, I'm going to the room of JP. I'll say, I'm going to JP's room. Yeah. But that doesn't make sense in Spanish. It's the certain words have to be flipped, you know? And um, that's very in- interesting um, because like, then I look at English and I, I used to think that I was so like, I was like, yeah, I'm going to learn all these big words and I'm going to be so like versed in my English. And then I started learning a new language and I started to be like, yeah, this shit is like, not that it's pointless, but it's not needed everywhere. I don't have to talk like this every time I'm around. When I'm in I'm in language class, and sometimes I'll be really confused when my professor tells me like "por" and "para." Those are two where they're very. They can be used so many with so many different things. Like yeah, they can be used um, like to say like "by means of." You could say like "towards." You could say "for." You could say like going through, going towards. And whatever you're trying to say, you would either use por or para. And it's so hard to like pick up on why. Those are two words and combined they mean like like 10 to 12 different fucking things. And so <laughs> it's like in English, we have like in English, the equivalent would be like four and two. But like there's a whole bunch of other shit. Like, Well, that's uh, a weakness to me of language, but I'm biased because I know a little bit about programming languages. Mm. And in programming, it's not even a question of like maybe. Mm. The statement about these two languages are the same language. Mm. That's true for almost every programming language because mm. it converts it into zeros and ones anyway. So everything is built on top of the last layer. But in our spoken language, we don't really, unless you study, 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 you don't know the layers. So it's, and things, and everything gets fucked up. And programming is pretty consistent, you know, but in regular language, anybody, any asshole can just change the meaning of a word. Hmm. Like, uh, real instead of really. Yeah, you're doing real good. I think real now, it's been used so much instead of really that it's actually the correct way of saying it. Like, it actually just changed. It just shifts whenever people fuck it up. 
I think it can actually be very like what you just said. It can be very like militant to do that and freeing. And I, I, I want. Oh hell yeah! Because like, why do you think I love chefs and sheep? First of all, hmm. phonetically, it's the same sound, but it's spelled different. Chef sheep. Hmm. <laughs> I actually had someone do a sound bite. Yeah, I had someone do a sound bite. I said it was a chef set, and they kept saying chef set. Chef set. And I said, I was thinking, why would they? Oh yeah, C H. That's mm. normally how you say it, but you just—that's not how you. Chef yeah. Set. Anyhow, because I, when I'm at work, though, I I catch myself in the way that I speak to people. Um, <laughs> I speak to people as if they're like testing my my English, like. As if, like, when I'm speaking to my yeah. boss, sometimes when I'm trying to, well, like, that's validate not a bad myself. strategy. It isn't. At it, work. At work, yes. But it's also because, like, I know, like, the type of people I'm around. Like, uh, uh, a good mentor of mine, Hakeem, he's um Afro dude, older Afro man. He's a, he's a graduate student. I think he works in um, student housing right now. And uh, mm. I was talking to him yesterday. It's not very, it's not very, um, it's very rare for me to meet someone who, like, reminds me um He's not my dad's age, but uh, he's a good amount older than me. I would say ten, maybe ten or more years older than me. So I look up, I look at him as a, like a like a a father type of figure, you know, yeah. it just in general. And uh, it's not, it's very unusual for me to find like another male like that's that older that I'm not yeah. like, oh shit, you know, around. Yeah. I'm not like waiting for him to be authoritative, you know. I'm just like. He's talking to me, yo, what's up, little bro? You know, yeah, it's like, more like a big bro, little bro. Yeah, and it's hella chill. And I I, I really respect him because of that. And like uh um fuck. I, I realize how I speak with him and how I speak like I, I, I at times I'm still very uncomfortable. I've only had two interactions with him. Yes, one the wow. second one was yesterday. And so I'm I was very uncomfortable and I noticed my body language. I was like very like uh because he's very close to me. We're having a conversation. And so that's very normal. You want to be close. You don't have a conversation with somebody from like this far away. You know that where we're sitting. It's typically like maybe a foot or two in front of you. And mm. um, and so that's we're having a normal conversation. But because I'm not used to that from men his age, I got very uncomfortable. And I was like just in my holding my arms closer to me and touching my face a lot and just not knowing what to do yeah. with myself. Touching and I, face and neck apparently. Yeah. Just sign of real uh like submissiveness or something like that. Yeah, like it was it's some serious discomfort because I know how I was you know when I was younger and I would act with men that age, you know? And uh and so I noticed I was doing that and then eventually I stopped. And I, I tried to stop. I started to be more conscious of it because um the way I was speaking to him at first was very like professional and like 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 a yes sir, you know what I mean? Like a um I'ma speak to you where, how did you meet this guy? My friend William, he's a grad student. He got us all together. And he just like mm. put everybody in a we all got in a car and went to Woodland to get some food and then we went to go bowling. Okay. So we just bowling. Ended, he was just one of the people that got invited and by luck, you know, we came across and I don't think it's luck. I think it's very purposeful that we like ended up coming together. Well, um, yeah, what's his name who organized it? Huh? <laughs> the person who organized yes, it. Yes, of it course. Was that person's purpose. And in, in our in the way that we think, because we think a certain way, um we were able to vibe with Will in that type of way. Because we're able to vibe with Will in that type of way, we ended up coming together by means of just like being us, you know? Yeah. Um and I think that was that was really cool because it made me it made me realize like, oh shit, like I'm able to vibe with someone who has more education than me, you know, and, and more experience, life experience than me. I'm able to do that. And that made me feel good about my own um, 
my own like insecurities and made me realize like, you know, I'm actually a, I may have more knowledge than I think I do. You know, I may, if I'm able to, it's not to say that because he's older than me, he's smarter than me. It's more to say that um, the type of maturity that he has and the type of conversation that he likes to have, I can also have to him. And so it, it breaks down that age barrier of yeah. like knowledge. Well, this to me is the way that you have everyone in your tribe. Not everyone, but um, um, you kind of maximize your tribe because once you kind of understand the basic rules and you see what it is, like the ebb and flow, you're kind of surfing a wave the whole time. You're trying to inspire someone else. You're trying to learn from someone else. Once you get all those basics down, anyone else who has those basics is in your tribe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It doesn't really matter what it, what the background is, what the political leanings are, their age. Um, it's because it's a joy in and of itself. You don't really need anything else in addition. Mm-hmm. To like have a positive thing. Anyhow, I'm glad that you're discovering this. Yeah, and it's it's really <laughs> cool because um he was telling me like you know you can hit me up at any time like we can just chat and I I told him straight up I was being real and I said uh you know I have been thinking about hitting you up it just came you know it's sitting down let's go get something to eat something to drink something like that you thinking I'm, about having sex with him no <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's great well you know no no not. unfortunately. <laughs> No shame in the game if, you know, things turn out that way. You get lucky, you know. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> who knows? Anything can happen. Um, oh, we are time? No, we're not okay. out of time. But I was like, yo, you know, we could, uh, like, you know, I was like, yeah, we could chill. And he said, uh, um, oh, he said, yeah, dude, like, come on by. You know, just come, you know, hit me up. And I told him I was hesitant. And I was like, oh, I'm hesitant because I'm not used to, like, you you know, you existing. I'm not used to that. Yeah. And uh, he was like, I understand, you know, and that's why, like, um, he understands, like, that, like, even as men, it's hard to, like, really get mo- emotional with another male. You know, that's, yeah. that's some, that's some real, like, difficult stuff because there are times where I'm like, um, saying I love you to my dad is hello. Sometimes it's hello weird. Not all the time, but sometimes it's like, not that I feel like I'm cringing. It just yeah. feels like the situation is cringe worthy. Like, well, it yeah. feels like there's a, a hesitation. It feels like a, all right, let's get this shit over with. Sometimes just punch him in the stomach instead. Act like yeah. you're going in for a hug. Even my little brother. So <laughs> I've been like, even when I tell my little brother, because I am very proud of him, you know, and how far he's come and his, his level of thinking now. I'm very proud of him. And he's always doing something. I'm like, yeah, I'm proud of you, little bro. And I want to tell him like. I love you, but instead I tell him something else that he knows means I love you. I don't say yeah. the three words, but I say like my dick's bigger than yours. Yeah, some shit like that. <laughs> like uh, you fucking, you're fucking ugly. You know, <laughs> literally, I'll call. Him, I'll be like, shit, I'll like you look like a roach and you're fucking ugly. And there he'll be you like, go. And he'll, That's love. And, and he'll say it back. And he'll say some shit like, okay, but you look like a fucking raccoon. You know, <laughs> and we'll just go on this banter. I'll be, we'll both be busting up laughing. This yeah. shit is hilarious, but. He knows that that means I love you, you know, because this is what we do. And um, I learned that there's many ways to say I love some that you love someone without having to say those words. Because if those words make you uncomfortable, that's okay. There's another way to do it. And that person knows and they understand it. Well, that is the general point I was of, trying language. To, of trying to make of language. Yeah. yeah. Just because he says the N-word, he might be saying, I love your music. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You don't know. You can't just focus on the words. You got to think of the general meaning. What can be communicated here? 
fuck you, you look like a roach, your raccoon fucked your mom, that could be I love you. You can't just assume whatever the words are, that's it. And languages change anyway. So back, you know, you go back far enough, people were grunting and spitting. And then you go back and you go into the future, people are probably going to be grunting and spitting. But, you know, that's the way it is. We're part of a species. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Very interesting. Uh, One last thing. Yeah. Um, I learned something recently that uh, back to perspectives. Takashi, shouts out Takashi Six Nine. Yeah, shout out. Uh, <laughs> he's in prison right now. Hopefully, he he's in prison. Yeah, I thought they. Uh, I don't know. I didn't really. Follow yeah, it. yeah, me neither. But like, uh, <laughs> I learned that um, there's more than one way to be me and you. There's more than one way to exist here with within our our. Genders and within our races, there's there's more than one way to do it, and without them, fuck them. Yes, there's there's a way to be without them, and there's a way to be with them, and there's there's many ways to do it. And that if I classify one particular way to do something, and if I classify one particular way to be Afro, to be Black, to be African American, to be all three of those things, which all mean the same thing, but. Uh, if I classify one way to do it, then I am then cutting off an entire part of the world that has meaning. Like I'm cutting off an entire existence of meaning and like all types of things. And it's such a, it's something I've been thinking about a lot in terms of me using Afro and Euro and Latin and all these things that I use, these words, these, um, all these things that I use. Um, yeah, I really thought about it and I, I really think like I'm gonna keep using them, but. I have to remember that uh, the meaning that I have in, the, in this word and all the things that it's done for me, it may not be able to do that for someone else. It may not be able to, the types of meanings that I give it to, give to it, someone else apart from another part of the world may not have those same meanings. They may not agree with them. And I have to be okay with that. And I have to be okay with knowing that this term won't be universal. It will not become a universal used across the entire world type of term. It may over it may, time. But it doesn't it might not even matter whether yeah. or not it, because the meaning is more important than the word. The, yes. the concepts are more important than the word. And yes. if the concept might spread independent of the word. Mm-hmm. I like that. And the word could spread independent of the concept. <laughs> yes. And uh, that has humbled me. All right. Yeah. Well, it's time for the most important question the most important in the universe. Question right. in the universe. Five pennies or a nickel? Five pennies. That's right. All right. Thanks, Mike. All right.